Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif. Executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsi. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień dobry. In France, bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, ciao. In Egypt, ahsen wasalan. In Ghana, akwaba. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, saobona. In Senegal, langadek. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings, and may peace be upon you all. Good morning, Grand Rising. Good afternoon, good evening. This is Jana with the Success Strategy Show on the Female Solution Worldwide Radio and TV Network. Today, I'm going to be speaking with four authors. From the um, Soul for Chicago book fair, there's some noise in the background. I'm going to try and tune it out so I can concentrate on you, my listeners. Welcome to Success Strategy Show with me, Jana, on the Female Solution Worldwide Radio and TV Network. I am the author of Success Strategies for Black People, and I host the annual blogging carnival for nonviolence. And I'm your host for today and on the first Saturday of every month. Here on the Success Strategies Show, every month we seek to help you and support you to find solutions to your problems. We are here to help you make 2023 your best year yet. So today, my wonderful executive producer, Naima Latif, has found me four guests to speak to from the Soulful Chicago book fair. So I'm really excited about this. The only problem with this is that she would have chosen people who are really interesting, 
for me to speak to. So that means that each one of them I could probably speak to for two hours, and I need to cram the world into the two hours. But, you know, we'll get it done. And uh, we've got some really, really interesting authors with some really, really interesting titles. So if you've got a question or a comment for me, Jana, or for my my uh, my wonderful guests today, please phone in on 515-605-9325. And if you're outside of the United States, you need to put 001 in front of that. So that's 001-515-605-9325. And you can also catch up with us on Facebook at The Female Solution. So my first guest today, I'm not sure if he's in the studio yet. My first guest today is Taquan Amaru. <coughs> yes, you got it right. <laughs> oh, you, oh yes. thank you. <laughs> it's <laughs> with you. And for those who are watching us on YouTube and Facebook, I'm going to hold up a copy of his book. Uh, the title of the book is... Uh, Don't you first well, he's got, he's got, pan decoded. Yes, yes. And and one so of the exciting really things about uh, our guest is that one of the exciting things about our guest is that, of course, he did you know grow up in Japan, and so he that had very interesting, yeah. uh, uh, definitely a uh, a unique experience, but mm. also. Because this is a perspective we don't often get. Uh, That's we're right. really excited to to get a chance to have him tell his story, and perhaps give us a better perspective. You know, because we tend to think very narrow, and to understand that not only are black people all over the world, but everybody's experience is different, and it it really comes back down to discovering who you are, discovering your roots, and defining yourself. So we are so excited today and excited to be joining Jana live from London in the UK. That's and right. we want you all to call in. If you've got questions or comments, 515-605-9325 and press 1 so your number lights up on our switchboard. And if you're in and around the Chicagoland area, we want you to come on down to the show, Soulful Chicago Book Fair. And let me, for those who want to, who are joining us visually on the Female Solution Facebook and YouTube page, you can see this handsome young man sitting right next to me, the author of some fantastic books coming to us all the way from Japan. So, Kwan, thank you so much for joining us today on The Female Solution. Thank you very much for having me. Welcome to my show. Yes. Are you able to hear her okay? Yes. Yes. Okay, so I'm sorry. Welcome to the show. Um, oh, so tell us much. a bit about yourself. You, um, I've been looking at your blog. I'm finding it fascinating. You're talking about Afro-Asian, what is it, Afro-Asiatic perspective. What exactly is an Afro-Asiatic perspective? Okay, thank you very much for the question. Well, Afro-Asiatic is, um, is our logo, um, the logo that I use. And originally, Afro-Asiatic was a hip-hop group that we formed in uh, right. back in like 2000 and actually 
the other original member is a guy. He lived in Chicago. He lived in uh, Japan way before I did. He came back to Chicago, right. and he'll be here later. But um, okay, cool. But that's so, what the um, original. Were you born in Japan? Um, my sister and brother. My mother's Japanese. My sister and brother were born in Japan. My father is American, so he right. wanted one of his his children to be born in America. So they actually right. put my mom on a plane, sent her to America. And uh, I was born in Topeka, Kansas. Never been there. Don't know anybody from there. But we, but <laughs> I ended up going back to Japan. So I didn't know I was born in the states until I was like, like you know, using my birth certificate to play baseball and stuff. I thought Topeka right. was a city in Japan when I was a little boy. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so well, that's real interesting. But it means that if you want to, you can run for president. You can be president if you want to. That, that's what that's what my mother used to always say to me. That's right, because you were born here. Right. right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is yeah, your blog about, Afro-Asian, Afro-Asiatic? Let me get it right. Afro-Asiatic perspectives. What is your blog about? Okay. Well, again, uh, it goes back to the concept of Afro-Asiatic. And um, if you look, if you see the logo, I don't know if you can. Anywhere is right there, but um. Oh well, here we can uh oh. can grab one of the uh, books and I can hold it up. Okay. Yeah. So we're we're showing the logo here uh, on our Facebook and YouTube channel, and this is this is the Afro Asian symbol you say? Well, Afro Asiatic. Afro Okay. Well, if you say the word Afro Asiatic, normally people will think of a subset of languages, um, like Amharic and. I believe Yiddish and even Hebrew might be involved in there. We're not using that. Like, that's like a, a, either, a, either a word that's hyphenated or two separate words. Mm-hmm. We put it together. If you, if you see the symbol, you can see the balance in it. It sort of reminds you of the yin-yang. But it's kind of a symbol that kind of represents me in terms of my experience. And um, talking about the balance, really, really someone balance and unity, and and really just moving up to higher, higher things in this life, in this world. Right. But um, but average attic perspective is really just coming from that. And I guess the best way I could say it is, is it transcends Western ideology and kind of goes. It's like either the past or the future, because you know now we're kind of in the in the paradigm we're in right now, I could say like the Western paradigm is really what runs everything. And but if you go back to the ancient world, it's a it's a lot different in terms of like like medicine, the way people saw things, the way people move politically and, and um spiritually. And I think that a lot of that is starting to come back again when you see the holistic um, medicine or just alternative modes of living. That slowly nice. will move nice. back. So it's kind of like it's like the future and the past. Not to disrespect right. anything right. that's going on now, but again, alternative. Yeah, so it's actually something happening now at this moment, you know, because I think it's really important that we are in the moment. Yes, we definitely need to know our past. We need to know our history. Right. And we need yes. to be in the present moment. So this is where we can change things right now. This is where we can change things, yeah? Yes. Um, again, change is is something that we talk about a lot. People talk about, but in my personal experience, 
I start to notice that people like to talk about it, but when it's time to actually do it, people, and, and I'm not saying they're like um, dishonest or anything. It's just, it's, it's more difficult than, it, than just talking about it because the change. That's right. Is it not, is. The actions are more difficult than words, also more powerful. But although words can sometimes be very, very powerful, you know that because you're a writer. Yep. Being a Buddhist, I think it's really, really important to be in the present moment. It's also really, really hard. It's really challenging because we always want to be looking at the past or looking at the mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. I don't right. know, growing up in Japan, were you exposed to Buddhism at all? I'm sorry, was I exposed to? To Buddhism? <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Definitely. And what was the word? Um, oh, Buddhism. Oh, yes, that's yeah. right, because Jana is a Buddhist. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. what was that like? Well, but, well my mother, my mother is, is, is Buddhist. Um, and um, even uh, about 10 years ago, I worked in a, a Buddhist school in Kyoto, a private Buddhist school called mm-hmm. Heian. And Heian is like one of the ancient names of Kyoto. So, okay. Um, it's, it's really... The Buddhism in Japan is really just, to me, it's hard to differentiate a, a Buddhist Japanese from a Shinto Japanese. The, the, the real religion in Japan is being Japanese and right. the, the society. Because the society itself is formed from Buddhism, um, Confucianism, yes. um, and even... I think those are the two the two biggest uh, contributors. So, yeah, like if you see a Buddhist Japanese and a, another Japanese, you can't really tell the difference in the way right, that they live. Right. You see, I would personally have a problem with that because I know in a lot of traditional Buddhist country, in a lot of traditionally Buddhist countries. The, the teachings are sort of getting lost because they're just being, I mean, it's wonderful that people know about Buddhism, but to a certain extent, I think the teachings get lost because um, they get um, incorporated into the society generally. Do you get a sense of what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. But, yes. But I think another thing is when you talk about in the West, the, the Western uh, mentality in terms of when it comes to religion and Buddhism especially with yoga, uh, we, we, we tend to think of it as in, like yoga as an activity or something you can join. And when you talk to Buddhists like from India, they're more, they don't really see it as religion. It's just a way of life. Right, like, right, like right. A, like, like yoga is not something you do on the weekends. If you're a yogi, you're, you're breathing, you're, you're practicing your breathing techniques now, right now, all the time. Right. Well, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. But Mm -hmm. in the West, as you said, we have this kind of shopping mentality where we can just Mm -hmm. take things off the shelf. I have a little bit of this, I have a little bit of that. And Mm -hmm. that's what I would refer to as being um, superficial. Right. And I, yeah, I think that's because the way we're not going right deeply. I think you have to choose one tradition, decide which tradition is right for you, and then go as deeply as you can into that one tradition. And that's the way we make spiritual progress. What okay. do you think? Um, um, I'm not really sure about that because it seems like okay. we're in a time now where we've done everything. Everything's already mm. been done. 
anything that we try to do now, if you look into the past, you can see somebody who did it better or, or, or longer. So I think a lot of it now is, even for myself, is I, I learn something and I filter it. And the things mm-hmm. that work, I keep it. But the things that don't, I don't, uh, I don't criticize. Like, for example, across most of the Dianetics. Right, yeah. Elon Hubbard, Hubbard. Yeah, Elon Hubbard. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, spiritual knowledge there, but I'm not okay. ready to join. Right, 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 right. I get that. I mean, yeah, you know. Well, I guess I got a question, Jana. Also, because I feel that Japanese culture tends to be a lot more ancient in terms of going back many more years than, say, of, of Western culture tends to even acknowledge that the human family existed. So when you look at ancient wisdom, you know, like, well, like Tarquana saying, everything's already been done before if you go back far mm-hmm. enough. But I don't think we go back far enough. So when you were growing up, did you have more of a sense of an ancientness of the place where you live, like 10,000, 20,000 years as opposed to just two or 300 years? Um, yes and no. <clears throat> Since World War II, a lot of Japanese, they see uh, pre-World War II Japanese as evil. Oh. Oh, wow. I know that. Yeah. Okay. Like the, they see them as what? They see it. They see it. Pre, Pre-World uh, War II Jap- Japanese, J- Japan is evil? Really? Yeah. Well, what you, like the, Yeah, the Japanese mentality at the time because it was imperialist. Oh. Right. So they're not, they don't want to acknowledge that. Oh, okay. So they, 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 they're, not, they're not proud of that. Uh, part of their that history. Oh, that's interesting. But then there's another. It is very interesting. Like, like for example, um, next week, Japanese. It's actually different places, but for the most part, they celebrate Obon. And the Obon holiday is a reverence to ancestors. Ah, oh, right, okay. right, okay. So yeah, the, so yeah, the ancestry is there. It, it kind of is. Person to person, my family, yes, they talked about it, mm. right? Because my my mother is uh, from a country samurai family, so they would bring stuff up quite often. Wow! And so, were you aware of Black history at all when you were growing up? I'm sorry. Were you aware of Black history at all? Well, yeah. Once we moved here, uh, when I was in elementary school, we started going. When I started going to school here. Yeah, I became very, very, very quickly. Because okay, the were like, but not in Japan. What? Oh, no, no, not in Japan, not at all. So that wasn't something okay, that was that's like interesting. I mean, for me as an African-American, right. certain things, connecting with the ancestors is really important. You know, like celebrating Kwanzaa. I often do blog posts about Kwanzaa. And I know there's been a black Kwanzaa. Well, there's been a Kwanzaa. I know there's been a Kwanzaa in Tokyo. I don't know if there's been more than one. Yeah. But were you um, aware of that at all in, in Japan? What, Kwanzaa celebrations? Yeah. Uh, I, I saw, like, like some small um, impromptu gathering. But mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, yeah. I, don't really, I, don't, I don't know if Kwanzaa is, to me, actually qualifies as, a, as an African-American uh, system because... 
It was created what, like 1966? Yeah, it's very recent. 1966 by Malala Karenga. He's kind of sketchy. Yeah, not everybody agrees. He's kind of sketchy. No, not everybody agrees, but he traveled around Africa, and he knows. He's an anthropologist, apparently. My sister, who's an anthropologist, told me about this. He traveled around Africa um, observing the different spiritual traditions, and that's how he formed um, Kwanzaa, because there are some spiritual traditions that were coming to different communities in Africa. Those are the ones that he brought to Kwanzaa. Yeah, you know, I remember when he came to my college. I went to the University of Nebraska and met Ron Karenga. And some of the people who had, I guess, uh, objections to the idea of someone creating a cultural holiday. It's like, how do you just sort of smush everything together and say, well, we'll take a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit from Ghana, a little bit from Nigeria, a little bit from South Africa, a little bit from, from yeah, but Kenya. That's not what he did, though. You know, and, and I guess that's kind of the impression people got that he took a little bit from different cultural traditions. Yeah. Right, but that's yeah. not actually what he did from my understanding. But, you know, the thing is that people who say Kwanzaa is a made-up holiday, so what? <laughs> because Christmas is also a made-up holiday. Easter is also a made-up holiday. There are no holidays in up. nature, right? You go into the woods and you go looking for a holiday, you're not going to find one because they don't exist in nature. Things like the 4th of July was a made-up holiday. Labor Day is a made-up made up. holiday. Yeah, 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 my... my well, my critique on it is not that it's a made-up holiday. It's just I don't know mm-hmm. this guy who he is, and um, but even that, like, when I was growing up in the states, I don't really remember a lot of Kwanzaa uh, celebrations. Mm-hmm. Like if they were, they were like sponsored like, in people's houses. Oh, okay. What I'm saying, like when I was in people's homes, yeah, I, I don't remember. It was like you know, kind of like a. You know, they have a party or something like that, but they would also have Christmas, right, too. Right, But, you yeah. see, to me, those are the best Kwanzaa's. For me, personally, okay. I've been to the big public organized Kwanzaa's, and I've been to the small private ones that people hold in their homes with their family and mm-hmm. friends. And the mm-hmm. small ones, to me, are much more powerful. You know, we're sharing things together. <laughs> but I heard that this year, and the, the name is escaping me, that there was a, a celebration right either on Christmas and it was a it was a, a ancient it was a holiday that uh the the tens of the slaves actually celebrated. Oh, you're talking about like um, tuck tuck or let's see. Yeah, I, I can't remember right now. Well I know that there's a uh celebration that black people in America have uh on New Year's Eve because it was on New Year's Eve that they were waiting for President Lincoln to sign the Emancipation Proclamation to set oh, yeah, the captive free. Yeah. And so that's, that's called watch night. You know, cause, cause yes, they stay up all night. It's watch night. They're staying up all night because they're waiting for freedom to come. Right, right. So I think that's, that's something that's probably uniquely American because that's the experience we had. So a lot of the things that that we look at as black history, it's really American black history because it wasn't happening everywhere in the world. Right. So now I was, right. I was going to show but. our viewing audience the, the, the book uh, Decoded. Okay. And uh, and for those who are watching us on Facebook and YouTube, I'm holding up the author's book, 21st Century Japan Decoded by mm-hmm. Taquan Am- Amaru. 
And here yeah, I, see, I really want to hear about the book. Here. I just wanted to make one comment before we move on to the book, which is that I've got a brilliant um, video that I found a few years ago, and it's on one of my websites. So I will send you the link yeah. to Kwan because they actually talk about this, about the fact that African Americans during slavery celebrated Kwanzaa. They didn't call it Kwanzaa. They but it was the same thing. They had time off, and they would, you know, do cleaning, they'd do cooking, they'd do stuff for themselves. They'd make things for themselves, and the white people, the, the slave owners, really didn't like it because this was black people taking time and space for themselves. So one could say, in a way, that Kwanzaa comes out of that tradition. That could be. That could be. I mean, you know, another thing also, there were a lot of different religious groups here. Uh, there are a lot of Muslims here. They were celebrating different Eid celebrations that would, would have been, you know, native to that religion. Um, right. So it's, it's almost there's hard. Another, there's another holiday, and, and the name, and the reason I know it's, it might be Juneteenth. I don't know. No, no, it's, it's, no, it's on because I did an event for this book, for an English book in Japan, and I remember I said it because it was on the same day. It was like Christmas Eve. Mm. And I said, ah, oh, I just can't remember it. Yeah, but there, there's a, yeah. Not Kwanzaa, but it's something. Yeah, I saw a lot of groups. Uh, when I'm in, uh, in Japan, I saw a lot of groups on, on television. I think oh, really? was if doing it. send me yeah. some links, I would really appreciate it. Yeah, it's like, it's like, no, I think Tukta is the language. Ah. There's an African-American language. Yeah, and I, I can't believe it's not, it's not coming. Now, now in Japan, um, I know there, there are a lot of people who migrated from Africa. So do you, do you find a lot of blacks in Japan that are, are direct immigrants from Africa? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even my oh, really? guy right here, friend of mine, yeah, he, so, uh, he's a PhD of uh, Alicia. Yeah, uh, uh, Dr. Eligio Alicia. Mar- Alicia Mare. Uh, and he's from Mozambique. This is one okay. part I want to, uh, John, if it's okay, there's this one part on the back of the book I want to read, which is kind of shocking. It says, in 2020, over 21,000 Japanese committed suicide, including a record oh number gosh. of 450, yeah, including a record number of 415 school children aged 6 to 18. Add oh to this gosh. a staggering 613,000 middle-aged Kikimoro, Kikikomori, who seek sanctuary from the overwhelming pressure by barricading themselves in a bedroom at their parents' house, and it is obvious that mental illness is a major issue. So wow. this is on, on the back of uh, Chakwan Decoded, 21st Century Japan Decoded. And I know that um, suicide yeah. is, is common. Yeah, it's way and, too common. Yeah, so also, well, in some ways, from what I understand, is part common. of the culture. But can you tell us a bit about why this 21st century Japan need to be decoded? Okay, because to answer both your questions, well, because I'm of Japanese descent, um, mm-hmm. I guess over the past 20 years, a lot of, uh, I guess, foreigners or, or uh, people who, who, who are migrated to Japan, they write me, they email me, Questions about their legal, their Japanese coworkers or their girlfriend or wife. Like, mm-hmm. why does this? Why do they do this? Mm-hmm. Or I feel like I'm being a victim. I'm being targeted for racism or something. And I noticed over about 20 years, it's basically the same questions coming over and over and over. 
So right. I basically put put everything together and just wrote and just wrote this book. Wow. So and, that's and, anybody that's got any questions about twenty first century the Japan can go straight to your book for the answers. Is that right? Exactly. Right. Mm, updated, so not the twentieth century, but yet decoded so that people can understand what's going on. So it, it, but give, give us it an thing, example thing. of what, you, what needs to be decoded. And we're going over time a little bit, but I just really want to hear what you have to say. If, I hope yeah. you don't mind. Um, okay. Okay. Give us an example of a couple of things that need to be decoded. Oh, definitely. Um, well, especially for people who have kids, right? You, you come over with your children, and then they right. go into school, and they're alienated, mm. Right. Or just people, if you're not Japanese, uh, sitting on the, the, people always talk about, yeah, nobody sits next to me on the train. Everybody right. just get away from it. Wow. And, um, right. and especially for people like black people, melanin rich people, like when I'm in Chicago, it's like I'm walking, it's like, hey, how you doing? How you doing, man? Good evening. Right. People speak to each other. That yeah. Southern hospitality. They yeah. come up from Mississippi, now yeah. Alabama. Yeah. In Japan, it's the opposite. If right, unless right. sounds more like New York not to me. My <laughs> New York, we don't speak to each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so. It's not a British thing, huh? People don't talk to each other over there. Well, people say, and I believe this is true, that people in the north of England are much friendlier than people in the south of India of England, which is where London is. Okay. Londoners are known for being not that friendly, but I'll tell you, I have take I've, I've developed a habit now of saying hello to people, especially black people and especially black women, because, you know, we need to acknowledge each other. And, right. you know, we're all living in the same community. We're all experiencing the same kind of pressures in different ways. And it's just really lovely, actually. It's one of the things I really love about my neighborhood is just saying hello to people and people saying hello to me. It's lovely. Mm. I really enjoy it. I was definitely not brought up that way in New York City. But Ooh, I do yeah. find London is very friendly. Other people would say different <laughs> Wow, you sound like you don't sound like you're from New York anymore. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, you are. New York. <laughs> it's because I've lived in London most of my life. I've lived in London <laughs> since I was a young woman. Okay. And I'm an old well, woman you, now. <laughs> nah, nah, you're not that old. I can tell. But um, but in, in Japan, um, the opposite. If if for example, if we, if you, I come here and I don't talk to you. If I sit down next to you and I don't talk to you, I don't look at you. At all, I don't acknowledge you. That's the highest form of respect. Oh, oh, really? That is interesting. Yeah, I know. Where it's so not, in some places it'd be considered insulting. It'd be right. the, the highest yeah. insult. Right, exactly. Yeah. Wow. It, you imagine that. And and here's it take even further. Let's say, like right now we're at this book fair, and we're talking. Right, yeah. we, we hit it off. Right. Yeah. And, and okay, if it's male, female, maybe because something could be. But let's just say it's, 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 it's same sex, right? Um, and you have a good time, you're talking, and then later, 15 minutes later, you're at the bus stop, and you're standing next. You don't to each make other. eye contact. You don't make any contact. You don't say anything. Really? Wow, that must be hard. <laughs> that would be so hard for me, think, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, but the, the whole thing is, and you might think. Like Why are they ignore me now? We right. just got this yeah, And maybe you didn't notice it because especially if you're the black person, you know they noticed you. Yeah. Right? So you're like, yeah. oh, she's not talking to me. And But she's thinking, or might, I don't know, it could be one of these things. You don't want to talk to me. So we have, right. the whole thing is, the whole thing is the, is the, um, wow. the wah. They call it wah, harmony. Wow. We have to mm-hmm. protect the harmony.
company of the group. So there's no yelling. There's no getting in your face or so even wow. if, if you disrespect me or whatever. I got if I'm I have to think about everybody else first. I gotta yeah mm-hmm. wow and then, yeah but, smile anyway or or, or or you deal with it but you can't. Like, the people over there can't be like, what's going on? Oh, so you don't make a public uh, display. I did notice that when I was in Japan, Donna, uh, because I rode public transportation. It was very crowded. There was no, very quiet. Everybody minded their own business. You know, they had their their cell phone. That sounds so much like New York. (laughs) It really does. (laughs) (laughs) See, here, in London nowadays, I would talk to anybody. (laughs) Just say hello. Particularly to black people. I tend to say hello, particularly to black women. Wow. But I'll tell you something, so, anybody in London, particularly any black person in London, probably any black person in Britain, would immediately know that I'm not from here because of my accent. Mm-hmm. It sounds English to you, but it does not sound English to people in this country. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Yeah. You sound real British to us. I mean, you sound real <laughs> definitely UK <laughs> sounding. It's not that, but Definitely not New York. Not New York. <laughs> <laughs> and, Where do and I sound like I'm from then? I'm hoping, I'm trying to, um, I, I, I would love to do a book fair in London next summer. Oh, that would be so, good. Um, we used to have a book fair, black book fair every year. Then that stopped. But I think there might be another one as well. Because if you come to London, we can meet up. That would be brilliant. That would be brilliant. So okay. definitely make sure that, that you know, that, that I, I hook you all up in terms of your contact information. That would be great. That would so be that great. can happen. Now, you the thing is, as well, Naima, you ladies from um, the female solution are meant to be coming to London. Don't think I've forgotten because I have not forgotten. <laughs> you lot meant to be oh. coming to the female solution. I mean, to right, London. absolutely, yes. <laughs> so now, one thing I was wondering, because uh, Taekwondo doesn't have a an accent um, that I can hear. Did you learn English from an uh, you know a non uh, I guess uh, accented person, or where where does your English? Oh come no no, from? But, but I I went to school mostly in New Jersey. Oh okay. Yeah, mostly New Jersey, like um, yeah, almost all. Even even um, I went to Rutgers, so. Oh okay. Uh, yeah. So, so okay, as, nice. a, as a young child, you were you were still in the states when you were learning language. Right, right. Okay, and then you went to yeah. Japan later. Well, and, when, and when we first came, though, I, I didn't speak English, right? Oh, okay. Um, so that was so I had to go to those speech classes and everything. Mm, that was been very challenging. Yeah, it really was. Well, the main thing was because my mother sent us ahead because she wanted us to learn English, but she couldn't. You know, her English was terrible, but we learned Spanish. Because he moved to a Spanish neighborhood. And I knew it wasn't English, but she came. I was speaking to her in Spanish, but she was horrified. She was like, oh, my God. That's what I wanted you to learn. Wow. I'm just looking at your blog, and it says, um, it's, this is from the Nippon series, How Bad Is Racism in Japan? Well, I'm glad you didn't ask the question, is there racism in Japan? Because I think it's a silly question. But how bad is it? How bad is racism in Japan? Okay. Okay, now racism to me. How bad is racism in Japan? Well, well, I try to differentiate between racism, uh, bigotry, and prejudice, right? Mm. To me, without getting too much of it, when I I say racism, I'm talking about a, a global system. Like one that France, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson pretty much breaks down and something that is, is dominating all areas of people activity. So mm-hmm. when we talk about that, um, 
racism for like Brazilians or Koreans in Japan, yeah. they could say that. Oh, oh, your battery's right now. But um, but for if you're from the West, uh, you go to uh, yeah. Japan. Um, there's no basically no racism, but there is prejudice. And what okay. do I mean by that? Because Japan was conquered by the United States, everybody knows. So when Japanese greet or meet the descendants of Westerners, they have a Japanese complex, and I write about that in this in uh, 21st Century Japan Decoded. Like, they, like that's why the huddle, they don't want you to speak Japanese. Um, they're trying to keep you out, kind of. So if but, I went there hmm. and I spoke Japanese, they would not, they would not be favorable of that? They'd be well, like, why are you speaking our language? We don't know you. I mean, how would they respond? It, it goes back and forth. Um, but for the ones who are, who are especially trying to learn English, they do, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely try to get you off of it. Oh, Like, wow. yeah, they don't, they want to speak English to you. Oh, okay. Right? I mean, I, I, and I used to get on because there's homestay situations, right, where a Japanese will go to Australia or Canada or something, and they'll stay six months with a family and, and get their English up. They'll come back, and then the, the, the same kids will come to Japan, right? Their whole state, brother, sister, and then they won't speak any Japanese to them. Oh, wow. And the wow. kids are complaining. What? Oh, speak Japanese. Yeah, and I, I thought it was just a simple, like, prejudice thing, but then I started looking into it, and I was like, no, this is mm. this is a coping mechanism from the war. Oh. Because it, they don't do it to Chinese people. They don't come to the Chinese ni hao. They don't do that. They don't do that. It's only the so a lot of times when I go places, I, I, I when I live in Kagoshima, I just act like I didn't speak English. Mm. Like I told right. uh, mm. my father was from Ethiopia, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so because I just get yeah, and, and it's, even on the plane coming over here, I have to remember I'm coming to America, but you know they'll start speak Japanese, you know, switch, and um, once they look at my name or something, then they start speaking Japanese to me. But it, oh, okay. it's, it's kind of annoying to me because if they speak English, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But they'll slow you down. Uh, I don't, yo, just say it in Japanese. Just say it in Japanese. Yeah, just say it the way you know how to say you know, it. But, sense. again, the war, was like uh, the, the book I'm writing now is uh, goes back into World War II historically. Okay. Um, the book is it's a contemporary written book, but the characters go yeah. back. So I write about the war. And when you start researching how bad... They, out the trauma that ensued from World War Two is so understandable. That that's what I hear. It's a so lot of trauma, uh, especially well here with the with the uh, concentration camp. Internment. Yeah, you know, the internment camps. Internment I understand that they're, they're, yeah. yeah, a lot of lot of trauma. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. That, that's something that people won't talk about there or or too traumatized to talk okay, about. Okay. Well, another thing. Um, when you leave Japan. Japanese don't see them as Japanese anymore. Mm. Okay. Yeah, because it, uh, even up until like up until like the like Tokugawa shogunate, there, if a Japanese person left Japan and came back, they would kill them. Wow. You can't bring really? your foreign ideology here. Yeah. Wow. Really? This of course wow. is back like the like the, 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 the shogun. Yeah. If you let any Japanese left and came back, they were you're a traitor. Oh wow. You know, really? Come back wow. With these treasonous things. Yeah. And um. 
Yeah, so but you see, but some I, of the, like sorry this, to interrupt you, but Japanese some of the things that you're talking about, I see strong parallels. Like in Britain, in London, East End of London, they created their own language, so they didn't want outside of the I'm sorry, was the first part? I'm sorry, John, was the first part? People created their own language, right? It's called They created their own language? Yeah, yeah, it's called Cockney slang or Cockney rhyming slang because they didn't want people from outside to understand yeah. what they were saying. And I think that it might have been during the war. I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. But we have our own language. Everybody understands it now, but back in the day, back in the, in the like, 1930s, yeah. 1940s, only people from the east end of London understood Cockney rhyming slang. So they could speak it to each other, and people around them didn't understand what they were saying. And Japanese are the same uh, in each region a, has uh, uh, You know, their wow. own language. And, and then in France, wow. if you don't, if you don't speak, yeah, yeah. And then in France, if you don't speak French, they would just be really rude to you and shut you out. But if you just speak a couple of words of French, they'll be really friendly to you. Oh, so if I can just say, bonjour, comment allez-vous, yeah. you know, then that, that'll yeah, give me the door. Yeah, yeah, comment allez-vous, as they say. <laughs> but, but, but um, if you yeah, if you, just try, if you make an effort and they see that you, you're English-speaking, but you're making an effort, they will actually be very supportive and very kind to you. Yeah, that's true. If you respect. don't make any effort, then they'll be really rude to you. Being disrespectful, yeah. Being mm. disrespectful, yeah. Wow. And then I've heard some of the things yeah. about Spain. I haven't spent a lot of time in Spain, but I've heard this about Spain as well. Yeah. They don't like outsiders, and particularly they don't like black people. If you don't speak Spanish, you really, they're not going to help you. If you don't at least make an effort, they're not going to help you. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Well, before we go, I want to make sure I remind our viewers and listeners of uh, our Guest book, 21st Century Japan Decoded, and that's uh, author uh, Taekwon Amaru here at the Soulful Chicago Book Fair. And he has another book here, too, uh, and this one is called, can you pronounce this, this title? Guy Kokujin, The Story, and it's actually a trilogy. Guy Kokujin. Yeah, and this is book two. And this is book two. Yeah. Okay. And, and I'm uh, going to, in the presentation, I'm going to explain the, oh, 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 wait, the kanji. I'm going to explain it in uh, the presentation today. Yeah, so he'll be doing a presentation uh, later today at the book fair. We may still be um, videotaping live. I think our radio broadcast will be off, but we may still share that with our viewing audience. Oh, nice. Definitely. We want to make sure that, that people hear what you have to say. And if you're in and around the Chicago area, yeah, come on down. Come yeah. the Chicago Book Fair. Don't worry about a little water. It's all yeah, right. It's going to stop raining. It's, it's going to stop. stop. <laughs> so we'll take and some first It's and been and a delight having you on. Thank you very much. Okay. I, w- I want to find out more about your work. And when you decide to come to London, do let us know so we can meet up. If I find out I about, um, I know there was Synthesize Bookshop we used to do a black book fair. I don't know if they're still doing it, but if I find out that they are, I will let you know. Maybe you want to come or over. Or any kind of book. Yep, any you know, kind of book. Yeah, authors of any kind. Because right. he's an international author, you know. So hey. Well, sure, of course. But me personally, right. I'm interested in black books primarily. I'll yeah. read anything that's entertaining or informative, but I'm really particularly interested in promoting black authors and black books. So that's why I'd be interested in the Black Book Fair, because, you know, I am one. <laughs> I am a black author. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like yeah, so, yeah, if I hear about any book fairs, I will let you know, Taquan. 
Okay. Thank All you right. very much. Thanks right. so and, much. And thank you very much for having me on, both All of you. All right. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. To the London folks in London and people around the world. All right. Great. All right. Take yeah. care now. <laughs> I wish you all the best. All righty. <laughs> Thanks okay. so much. So I'm going to I'm gonna run a commercial, Donna. I think it's time for some commercials. Uh, what do you think? Yes. Well, I was going to go to the next, to my uh, next guest. Yes. Because rather than them come to where I'm, I'm just moving my camera around to where they are to make it a lot okay, easier. Cool. <laughs> so we'll, okay, we'll, we'll run gonna... this commercial in are you constantly arguing with your spouse? Are your children misbehaving and acting out? Is someone in your family abusing drugs? Have you been the victim of domestic violence? Are you grieving over the loss of a loved one? Let us help you restore serenity to your life. At Serenity Family Social Services, we understand that good mental health is a result of emotional well-being. Our goal is to assist you and your family in removing emotional distress and restoring harmony and balance to your lives. We offer individual, couples, and family counseling. I'm Howard Williams, CEO of Serenity Family Social Services. Call us today at 312-315-4820. That's 312-315-4820. Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly culture, world peace, restoration of light, transcends culture, religion, ideology, and other boundaries to achieve a peaceful harmony in the global society. HWPL is committed to bringing world peace and cessation of war through peaceful dialogue between religious groups. I am Director Shinsuk Kim of the HWPL Chicago branch of North America. Join us for our next gathering. Call 773-580-1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com. but nothing's happening, so we're back. Okay, welcome back. So my next guest is who? Yes. So uh, now next I'm, I'm here with uh, Seashell. Granados. Okay, not me. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, the, the, the other author was talking to some customers, so I didn't want to uh, mm-hmm. disrupt so real quick. <laughs> All righty. So we're talking oh, to Donna, live from Welcome the UK. to my show. And so I'm excited because we get a absolutely. chance to hear something really fascinating. We'll hold up this book for our viewing audience. Cafecito. Is that right? Cafecito. 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 Yes. Cafecito. Cafecito. Yes. Cafecito. 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 Hello. Look out collecting cards from everyone for any future event vacation while my wife is. Um, I do not have a business card, but I have my email if you want to write it down or take yeah. a photo of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Thank you so, 
he was a very big ad- advocate for that, so he just basically okay. pushed, pushed, pushed me. <laughs> and you got the right guy. I, I do. I actually <laughs> <laughs> so he, yeah, he basically pushed me to do it, and I started doing it. And yeah, but that class was basically the biggest push, and my boyfriend, yeah, who got me started mm. on writing this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, you know, it makes and... me think about, uh, you know, Jana. I, I think mm-hmm. about learning culture, you know, when somebody shares different things like, you know, things like food and conversation, (laughs) family, you know, you really get a feel for how people live. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people can benefit from hearing somebody else's experience because it helps us to know in a lot of ways how we're really all alike, you know, certain things that evoke memories, like, Mm -hmm. you know, what it, what it feels like on a Sunday morning, uh, you know, with your family and or, or or working in the kitchen with your mother and things like that. Mm. I can remember mm. those things like that. And my mother would, would bake cakes and show us how to put the ingredients in. You know, you remember mm. those things. You do. You absolutely do. Yeah. We've never. My mom and I've never cooked side by side because, especially in the beginning, I was learning, so I had to practice. But I wasn't fast enough for her. She'll be like, "No, just." Move over. Let me handle it. So, <laughs> yeah, literally, but I was just like, once I moved out, I was like, okay, I have to cook for myself. And then I practiced and I got faster. But yeah, I gained those skills. But I don't think I'm as fast as her. But that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> I use her recipes. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh huh. So tell us one of the stories from the book. Um, so in one of them, my, one of my best friends, she's Filipina and we met in middle school. So we've always, we had this big, strong love for big animals. And like I said, she's Filipina, uh, Filipino. And one of our favorite animals that we always were, would talk about were whale sharks. So in one of the essays, I talk about, hey, we should travel together and let's go to the Philippines where you're from and we can explore. So, and then also in the Philippines, that's one of the very few places where you actually swim with whale sharks. Wow. So I talk about doing that, wanting to do that and other things that we can do, what we can see and like meeting her family, eating her food and things like that. So she could be my tour guide, but we can also explore more of her home island together. But she was also born and raised over there, and she came to California when she was about nine years old, I think. I don't know. I wrote it in the book, but that's one of the things. So it's like a dream itinerary. Wow. Nice. It would, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So did you say you actually meant... What I'm sorry, what was, the, what was the question? Did you say that you actually went, Seashell? Did you actually go to oh, the Oh, did you actually? Was it something no, we've been, we still, still planning it. We're still planning it. Yeah, we have yet to do it. Okay. And it's not very, it's not at the top of our priority list right now. <laughs> okay. We're both adults working, and then it was just like, okay, we're going to do this eventually, but we have yet to actually set aside a time for that. Mm-hmm. So yes. it's on the back burner, but it is something that you will be doing eventually, right? Eventually, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, so um, that means that that's um, going to be another book. Yeah, it'll be another book. 
Yeah. It would be. It would be. <laughs> now, one thing I was wondering, mm-hmm. Donna, uh, because, you know, a lot of times when people travel and meet people from different cultures, uh, was was her being a Filipino, was there a lot of, did you find a lot of, I guess, similarities culturally coming from the islands and then you have a background in Mexico? Were there a lot of similarities in terms of maybe food or, you know, other tastes in certain things, music? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... Way back when, I forget, I'm not very good with history, but Spain, the Spanish conquered the Philippines. Ah. So we do have that background where she has a very Spanish last name, Perez. Mm. So she would always joke around with me, because of you, I have a Spanish name. And I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> they just happened, you know. But we do, even one of their languages, Tagalog, that they... They have a lot of, a few of it. I think they're called long ones. But, yeah, I want to say they also say gato, which means, which means cat yeah, in yeah, Spanish. Yeah. But they also have yeah. that same word. Ah. So it's just like there's definitely a lot of, like, similarities. similarities. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the Filipinos yeah. are Spanish-speaking. So there would be a lot of similarities. <laughs> I mean, they were so colonized by the Spanish, like, which is why they're called the Philippines. Absolutely, yeah. But, like, just, like, a few little tidbits like that, you can... Definitely hear a word like there's some Spanish influence. Ah. Yeah. Mhm. Oh, yeah. Mhm. Definitely. So that's, some, that's what you've got in common. That's something that you've got in common. Plus the fact that you grew up together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah you said she's been your friend for a long time, right? She's yeah. been my friend since middle school. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Mhm. Do you write about the friendship in your book? I do talk about other friendships, too. There's right. this. I was a camp counselor in oh, really? during the summer. Yes, I was. So <laughs> I actually talk about learning how to make these little friendship bracelets. I also saw them with my book. Okay. How my kids taught me how to make it, but also, it's like, I remember those. In my group, yeah, me too. <laughs> my <laughs> I remember had, learning that in, in I, summer camp. I think the most useful yeah, skill I learned was how to um, burn letters into yeah. a piece of wood using a magnifying glass. That was fun. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, that was different, yeah. Uh-huh. This is yeah, not so where I am I in the world. I always be able to start a fire. All I need is a magnifying glass. Oh, starting a fire with a magnifying yeah. glass. You're learning how to do that. Yeah, and yeah. a bit of something to burn, yeah. <laughs> but I will never freeze to death because I've got that skill. Yeah, yeah, that, that's considered a survival skill. It I is. Guess. Oh, it is. Well, it wasn't for us because we had matches. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you all if you find yourself stranded in the wilderness, surrounded by, you know, pine needles and little bits of kindling, but you don't have a match, but you do have a magnifying glass, how often does that actually happen? Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. when you have a magnifying glass. Yeah, you know, I guess in theory, you know, at least it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We should check that out, right? Maybe we should test that one. <laughs> yeah. One day I'm gonna do that next time I do a do a, a camping trip with some children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now, was, was your um, Tisha? Mm-hmm. Was your growing up more rural or more urban, just in terms of the experience? Uh, did you were you? I would say more urban. Yeah, we weren't really outdoorsy much. I didn't. Okay. When the farm. No, kind of thing, yeah, okay. definitely more city. Yeah, small city, but yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah 
had like a fun childhood, though. Yeah. You know, I, one thing I like about this, this book, because you, you think about the, the, the joy people have around eating. She's got some nice illustrations of, of food, yes. my favorite thing. <laughs> but, you know, people tend to think of good times when they think of eating together. Yes. And, and usually that's yeah. what people think back on their childhood. That's what they remember, things like you know, were there certain, were there certain, uh, I guess, festivals or, uh, uh, you know, celebrations that that you all had growing uh-huh. up? Yeah, we would. I talk about yeah, what's the same? I say with the Sunday brunch, we talk about the um, las rosas, las rosas. Yeah, where we talk yeah. about where. The, and I believe in the Bible. It says it took about three days for Jesus. But no, the three kings visited baby Jesus in the, what's the word? I'm blanking right now. In the uh, manger? In the manger, oh. yeah. So basically, and they had this whole feast and everything. And then oh. how in Catholic um, tradition, we have this, for in Mexico, where we serve, we do this thing called the, what's the name of the cake? We cut a cake, mm-hmm. and it's a very it's like a subtle flavor. There's like some citrus in it, but it's oh. like, it's called like the King's Crown. There's some little like candied food on top of it. Mm-hmm. But basically when you cut into the cake, you don't want to get the little plastic baby figurine. Oh. then if you do, right, you right. are selected to host a social gathering and serve food to everyone. Oh, so it is, it is. <laughs> it's so funny because everybody's cutting their slices you can cut a big slice or a small little slice but the whole point is that you do not want to get the little baby and you don't know where it is like no no so it's just like we're all like trying to see who got the baby like oh did you get it oh now it's your turn you gotta make us some food (laughs) it's like such a blast Mm -hmm. it sounds like fun it does yeah yeah. yes well it is definitely um -hmm. I, i would urge people to get a really uh a good feeling book that can yes Make you smile. <laughs> and it's here at the Soulful Chicago Book Fair. We're here at 63rd and Dorchester for those who are in and around the Chicagoland area. A uh, little water running from the sky, but it's okay. That's you know, okay. It's, it's a little water. But it's definitely a nice atmosphere, wonderful books, and I'm going to make sure I get this one. And okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm really uh, enjoying this. So, Jana, we're going to take a break, and uh, right. I'll move to the next. That's excellent. Thank you very yeah, much for being on my phone. I really appreciate yes. it. And we want to thank you so much, Seashell, for not you. I got the name right. Yes, you oh, did. and you missed all the wonderful things she said about you. Yeah, I you did. did. <laughs> I got, 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 the, got the great guy here. Uh, it's my boyfriend who yeah. inspired the book. <laughs> right, yes. Mr. Inspiration, yes. <laughs> all righty. Well, John, I'll let you handle the switchboard, run a few commercials, and okay. then we'll... Susan Essentials is re-engineering what health looks like by leading you to the best wellness initiatives in the world. Start your coaching plan today and create a new paradigm of health. Click here to learn more. Uh, it is just sitting right there. I mean, you can still do it. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, love, but thank you very much for being on the show. Yes, thank you. All righty. Okay, so shall we go to a commercial? Yeah, I know. Do you have a product or service? Take your business local and get new customers from around the world. Advertise on the Female Solution Radio Show. You may have a great product, 
You may even have a fantastic website. But how do you let people know you exist? Tell them. Promote your business on one of the most dynamic shows on Blog Talk Radio, The Female Solution. You'll reach an enthusiastic audience of more than 100,000 loyal daily listeners with a specially designed 30-second ad that will drive customers directly to your website. We'll send you statistics as tracked by Blog Talk Radio to let you know the numbers and demographics of those hearing your advertisement. Your ad will run during the live two-hour morning show from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, and it will be heard all day long by listeners who listen to the archived shows. You'll reach our worldwide audience on their laptops, iPods, iPads, and cell phones. Watch the orders for your product or service increase. Just go to our website, www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimalatif.com. And click on the radio advertising page. Send us your words. We'll create a 30-second radio ad. And watch your business increase worldwide. All righty, we're back. Oh, we're back. Okay. Welcome back. Yes, we've got uh, Lekiantia Naylor, author of 20 Tips for Financial Success. What's the children's book we can talk about? But, of course, how many people need them 20 tips for financial success? Everybody. <laughs> Everybody needs them. So, here we are. So, we're to today. This is the, you are the one, Lekiantia, who... I'm most interested yes. in and most excited about your book because, as Naima just said, we all know we all need those 20 tips. So welcome. Yes. Welcome to my show. Hi. Thank you. So, Tell yes. us a bit about your book and why, why did you choose to write it? Oh, yes. Well, I really had no intention on writing a book, never thought I would be an author, and then one day I was looking on Indeed for a job that mm-hmm. worked well with my family, and I couldn't find anything, so I had prayed about it, and I was like, I'm really talented, I got a lot of things I can do, Lord, show me what mm-hmm. I should be doing. So one day I was um, laying down, and he told me the title, he gave me like a couple of the tips that I was very um, knowledgeable about, he told me write this mm-hmm. book. And when you're finished writing a book, there's some people at your church that has published. Ask them what the next steps are. So I did that. It took me a month to write my first book. And once I was finished, I went to one of the ladies and asked her, how do I go about getting it published? And I like, I think it took like two weeks, and I was, I had my first book published. Excellent, sure. excellent. So did you publish it yourself? Or did I'm you sorry? go to a, uh, a publisher? Um, I, it was self-published. Um, I found someone, and then I ended up republishing it through my company, so I learned how to publish as well, so I, I'm the author mm. and the publisher. Excellent, excellent. And who did you write this book for? Who your target audience? I can't hear I'm sorry. Uh, um, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Uh, speak a little louder. It's sure. Kind of Who is your target audience? Who is the oh, what is your, what's your target, target reader? Really, anybody. 
who needs financial assistance, I really want to try and get it out to the younger audience, um, mm-hmm. like high schoolers, before they get out into the world so they can know how right. to manage their money, plan accordingly, and just don't mess it off before it's, before it's too late and they get all this debt. They can build their credit and all that stuff. Mm. You know, that's, that's really uh, critical because they don't teach anything mm. about finances in school. Nothing. Yeah. It's so strange because when I was in school, which is more than 40 years ago, they didn't teach us anything about finances. And to this day, right. they're not teaching about finances, are they? No. Yeah, and my book learn. is based off of trial and error, things that I tried and I know were. Yeah. So if you follow all of the steps, you're guaranteed to have success. So. Okay. Okay, give me a couple of your top tips. Well, my very first one is tithing. People don't understand how important it is to tithe. Like, when I wasn't tithing, it's like I never had enough money ever. Right. And then once I started giving God his portion first, I never lacked, ever. Okay. So um, why is it important to tithe, and how, how does tithing actually work? You give 10%, your first 10%. Before I pay anything else, I always give my 10% of my income back to God before I pay anything else. That's the first thing. Okay. And why does that work? How does that help you? I don't know. It's just like it's in the Bible. It's something that you're supposed to do, and I, I don't know how it works, but it just mm-hmm. it works. Mm-hmm. It's, but now, you, you know, know the, it works, right? You know, Jonathan, the, the science behind that, because everything is vibration. When you yeah, feel that you have abundance, you attract abundance. So okay. if you feel that you have enough where you can contribute back to really who is the originator of all abundance, then the energy of that is what attracts more to you. But if you feel like That's you true. don't have enough, that kind of uh, fearful, stingy thing, well, I don't have enough, I don't, mm-hmm, I give, mm-hmm, I don't have yeah. enough, then that that energy of not having enough will attract to you not having yeah, enough. Yeah, so it's, it's a scientific principle, and it works. It works. Like, I, I just, I don't know how to explain it. works. I've not had, uh, I have fun. not lacked. When I wasn't doing That's what it, I care about. I, I care about stuff that works. Like, although I don't personally believe in God being a Buddhist, so that might not work for me. But I have tied in the past, not to God, but I have tied in the past, and I found it's been very, um, very powerful practice. Yeah. Well, you know what I would say, Jana, to people who might feel like, well, you know, I don't go to a church or whatever, it's the principle of giving. So even if you don't give to a church, you know, all, you know, if we're all God's people. If you just give regularly to, say, a charity or, you know, some good work that's being done, right. You give a portion of what you have earned back so that it can circulate in society and do good for people. It's the same spiritual principle because you're acknowledging, yes. number yes. one, that yes. what you have, really none of us own anything. All of, all of us are borrowing from what the creator has given. And even if one doesn't have a religious belief that says there is a creator or anything like that, it's still an understanding that we are sharing what the earth has provided, and so yeah. whatever we yeah, have, we're stewards of it, we're not yeah. owners of it, and we should share with others so that everyone has. 
So therefore, there would be no poverty if we all understood that and no one yeah. would be suffering. So sharing is what brings back to you the abundance that you're sharing with others. So yeah, even if a person doesn't do it as a religious principle, the understanding that we're all responsible for each other and we should share with each other, it's still the more you share, the more you get back. Right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, I like what you just said about the abundance mindset, Naima, that when we have an abundance mindset, then we know that there's plenty, and we will get our share. Yeah, 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 yeah. John, I'll need you to raise your volume on your voice a bit because the rain is Okay, let me see if I can manage that. It's a little harder, so. (laughs) Okay, is that any better? Yeah, that's better, yeah. Okay, great. Um. So how long did it take you to write this book, Levantina? Pronounce your name for me. Is it Levantina? Lechiantia. Sorry, Yes. And where did your name originate from? Where did the name originate from? My mom's name is Lakithia, so she kind of just made it up, honestly. Okay, well, you know. She's very, very creative. All of me and my sister's names are all kind of, it comes from hers. She wanted us to be like, kind of like, <laughs> with the name. Oh yes, she wanted originality. Yeah. yeah she now the people always ask you, "Where's your name from? What language is that?" The people ask you that all, all the time. time. I'm like, she just made it up. It's, it's nothing to it. <laughs> hey, go, mom. That's right. I, li- I like originality. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but, I mean, there is um, something to it because it's your name, so it's your identity, right? Right. And that's important. Yes. So did you say you wrote the book in two weeks? Uh, no, in a month. It took me a month. To in write a month, the book. right. Yes. So I think that's great. And what kind of um, what kind of um, advice would you give to would-be authors? Um, just know exactly what you're, you know, writing about. Um. Even if you don't, just start somewhere. Because for me, the hardest part is the first paragraph. Like, but once right. I get, once I get past that first paragraph, it's like it all just kind of flows. Your brain juices start going. It gets a lot of easier to just express what it is that's on your mind. So, just keep trying, and eventually, you'll get there. And then, if you need advice from others or somebody who's better at writing. To like give you some ideas, that that really helps to piggyback off of other people. I'm like, hey, I need some ideas on how I could word this better, or right. just depending on the topic and stuff. So with my children's book, I asked a bunch of my friends, what are some things you miss about being a child? And that's kind of oh, where yeah, I that's and an I picked question. Yeah, and I I picked whatever um, answers got the most um, votes. That's what I put in my book. Right. Okay. So that's market research, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Did the market research before you wrote the book. So what were some of the things that people miss about childhood? Um, Not cooking, not having to worry about what to cook every day, Um, Mm -hmm. not having to go to work every day, being able to just play and have the freedom to imagine um, not paying bills, that was a big one. Yeah, I bet. 
So, yeah, it was quite a few things that uh, didn't make it to the book, but that's that's kind of what I did. But all that stuff can be your next book as well. It's like your, your next book is lined up already. It is. It's going to be another children's book. Okay. And it's going to be the the reversal. So it's going to be kids thinking about all the stuff that they're going to do when they get grown because kids just think, oh, when I get grown, I can stay up. Like, <laughs> no, you can't because now you got to go to work or I won't have any. When I get grown, I won't have nobody to tell me what to do. Well, really, you got a lot more people telling you what to do. <laughs> like, it's true. <laughs> it's not That's how you think. Right? That's the reality. Um. So, so holding up the book for, do you teach for, people in your book how to become financially independent? Um, I I haven't yet. I do have it to where you can book a consultation, and I do plan on doing, like, seminars and stuff like that. So I did do one already. But, yeah, I do plan on getting into doing that soon. Because that will be – that will mean then, therefore – the people who read your book, some of them won't have to get up in the morning and go to work. They'll be able to have the day off. Right. And then I have a journal that goes with it, so it's, it could be very oh, interactive. Nice. Like, we can go through it together. And the journal is very, very detailed. Like, I like pretty much, it's like me holding your hand going through the whole process. So. Okay. So tell us some of the things, some of the details that are in the book, in the journal, rather. Um. So in the journal, I have it to where it's like a yearly calendar. So every month mm-hmm. has a calendar. In the beginning of the month, you kind of go over your budget and what you got together. And you can, on the calendar, you put um, when things are due, when certain bills are due. So you can keep right. track of it. At the end of the month, you will see how you did as far as your budget. If you went over, um, you it's a daily tracker so you could write down what you spent your money on so at the end of the month I'm like dang what happened and then you can go back and look like oh that's what I did I spent X amount of money on something I shouldn't have and then at the end of each month I ask you like what was the issue how did we solve it and then right. every three months it's like I'm doing a check in saying okay how, how did you do these next these past three months what can you do better for the next three months so right. I got a yearly thing for that. Um, I have a birthday budget, Christmas budget at the end of the book, um, vacation budget. If it's like if you wanted to plan to buy a house, I have like a, a piggy bank kind of thing where you put your goal. Nice. So a house is your goal and how much you put in there. And then you can just – I have a um, part where you do, write down how much you've deposited towards your goal and you can, like, okay. kind of it it's, it's really interactive. So it's keeping track, basically. It's, it's keeping a record, yeah. keeping yeah. track you know, of and I, 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 Actually, I just did that one thing with the calendar this, 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 this last year, and it does make a difference. It does. Because what was happening hmm. before, you know, a bill would be due, and then, like, oh, wow, there's a bill due. I want to make sure I got the money in the account and all that kind of thing. But if you put it on a calendar – and you plan on it, then it doesn't catch you by surprise. You're not scrambling. Or like you say, you spent the money for something else. And right. you know, oh, you know, the electric bill's mm-hmm. due tomorrow, and I just bought a new pair of shoes I didn't need. You know, exactly. all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's just planning. And it makes sense. That way you don't end up, you know, scrambling. And, and so I thought that was a good tip. 
Another tip that I saw uh, in the book, Donna, uh, that I want to maybe you can elaborate on, you said put money into something that will make money. And I think that's what a lot of people don't do. They don't think in that's terms right. of maybe an investment that will give you a return. Right. And, you know. It'll make money while you're sleeping. Yeah. So give us some examples of some things that people can, can do with their money that would make money, you know. Well, in their sleep or personally, or I plan on doing real estate. Like, I want rental property. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way, I'm yeah. constantly making Make money. Because somebody got to pay their rent. Right. So that's one thing that I think. And then it's like stuff that you can leave behind for your children. So yeah. it's like stuff like that. Well, that's, all, that's even, what it's all about. Book, that's what it's all about. You know, right? Generational wealth. You go on your website, so order your book. You know. Yeah. My, you my daughter, she, she wrote a book. So wow. that'll be something that she's seven. Wow. <laughs> so. Okay, I've got these young authors here. Right. Wow. So that's something that she'll constantly be making money for. Yeah. That's awesome. And then and also in both of the books uh, yeah. is a breakdown on how to track your credit. Because, like I said, it was mine used to be four and now it's eight. Good. And um, it's a chart in there to where you can go on Credit Karma or something mm-hmm. and you can write down all your derogatory stuff and interest rates and you can, like, literally track it. And I go kind of through it with you on what to pay first and mm-hmm. how to um, navigate it because I kind of figured out how it works. Ah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's that's how you get it to go up. You know, a lot of people when they when their credit gets really bad, they just say, "Oh, forget it. I just have bad credit." So they just they just don't yeah, want no. to borrow anything, or they pay really high interest rates because they they think it's not fixable. No, it's definitely fixable, and you don't have to pay an arm and a leg to get it fixed either. Yeah, that's good. Nice, that's no, nice. So tell me something. Yeah. So how do you think we should be um, we should be educating the next generation about money and wealth and, and um, generational wealth? Well, first, the parents need to get more um, knowledgeable about how to, because you can't really teach nobody if you haven't applied it yourself. Right. So okay. I think the adults need they to get that? more how serious can they about more knowledge? it. You can get my book and my journal. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly no, absolutely, absolutely. But can you give us a couple of tips, please? What kind of things yes. do we need to look out for when we're trying to educate? the younger generation, the next generation that's coming along? Um, by saving, like, I really, saving your money, like, okay, with income, income taxes, for instance, people, when they get their income tax, they want to just go and buy a car or buy a bunch of clothes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that in I don't even know how long. I always take my income tax, split it in half, and I use it towards the biggest bills, the two bills, which is usually the car note, and the rent or mortgage. Yeah. I put that right. and I put it up. So that way for the next few months you don't have to worry about it. You can actually take care of all of your other bills. Or you could take care of stuff that's important. So it's like right. things like that. And then eventually doing that I was all my bills were paid up for the entire year. Wow. wow. Like it's wow, just right. doing small things that can lead you to being able to make bigger financial Investments because yeah. you don't have to worry about your cardinal or your mortgage for a whole year because wow. you done a lot of free money. It's a lot, yeah. like a lot, and it's definitely yeah, and it adds up, doesn't it? 
trying to pay your bills up for the year makes it a lot easier. So you out like starting out with the smaller bills. If you total up how much it costs for your phone bill, like it might be like twelve hundred dollars, you can literally pay that off for the whole year and not have a phone bill. And wow, that is really impressive. That is really impressive. So, um, how easy or how hard is it to achieve that? It's really not hard, especially once you see how much a lot of your bills are. You're like, oh, that's not that's all I'm paying for the year. Yeah, I had that last week. I could have just paid it up for the year. I think that's the that's the uh, challenge is being disciplined. I think one of the tips in there is being yeah. disciplined, right? Because most of the time yeah. people will buy they do impulse buying, right? That's Discipline right. And you're working very, hard all year and you think, well, I deserve it. And it's true, you do deserve it, but you also deserve to be financially independent. Right. So it's just people got to change their way of thinking and be willing to make sacrifices, temporary sacrifices, so that way they can enjoy their self long term. And a lot of people just want stuff now, now, now. Yeah, exactly. And that's why people are in the situations at the end. They don't know how to just, okay, let me not go out every weekend. Yeah. Let me do. Eating at the restaurant. Yes. Like, they yeah. it's, I have to sacrifice for a couple of years, but I don't regret it because I can right. do a lot of stuff now. Right. You see, I think that life is a series of choices. This is my thing lately, right? Life is a series of choices. I think we trade long-term pain for short-term gain, or, right. we, choose to, or we choose to trade short-term pain for long-term gain. So it might be painful to create new, uh, new habits, like not going right. out every weekend. Maybe you don't need to go out every weekend, but you kind of feel like you have to. You feel like that's what you need because it's what you always do. So that can mm-hmm. be painful in the short term. But in the long term, it can potentially liberate us. Right. Because while everybody else that was clubbing every weekend, now they, they sitting there like, dang, I, I need to do this. And you out on the cruise somewhere because you saved your money and now you got the financial you financially able to do whatever you you want, yeah. and your bills are still paid. So hmm, nice, very nice. So give us a yeah. couple of examples of things you've managed to achieve using this method. I'm sorry, can you say that one more time? Sorry, sorry. Using this method, give us a couple concrete examples of what you have been able to create, or what you've seen other people create. In their life. Off of, off of, like, the things I learned from the book? Yeah, yeah, just putting some of these practices into um, in, into practice. These ideas, putting these in ideas into concrete practice. What have you managed to achieve from that? Well, like I said, um, by doing the my income taxes the way I did, I was able to go from paying my stuff every month to paying it yearly um from what else did i do my credit being from the four to the eight like it's just the discipline and constantly mm-hmm. being very um consistent on it so I, 
Yeah, that's wonderful. I think everybody uh, needs this book. Right. What's your question, Naima? Huh? I was just asking Naima. What's your question, Naima? Oh, yeah. I, the question I had was about, you know, when you're trying to raise your, your credit score. And sometimes people look at their bills that maybe they have, like I say, they had a, a medical bill that was very high and they just kind of let it mm-hmm. go. Uh, and just don't pay it because it just seems like it's insurmountable. How do you yeah. deal with, with those kind of bills that may have wrecked your credit and maybe just gave up on it, and as a result, you know, it wrecked your credit because it was never paid? How do you get rid of that on your credit score? Is is that doable? And how how do it is it is doable? I actually had not not me my my ex husband had some on there, and so what you do is on you write it down in that journal and. You, I say start with the smallest ones first because you can knock out a lot of small ones and then that'll shoot your credit up because you're able to knock out so many at once versus starting okay. with the highest one. It's going to take you a long time. And then you got all these small ones that could have been taken care of. So you start off with the small ones first, and then that'll help bump your credit up. And then it, just make payments on it. Like, you don't have to even pay the whole thing. Just put something towards it so it's decreasing. And that, that helps. And eventually it will be paid off, right? Exactly. Yeah, eventually, yeah. If it's $20, like, don't go to Chick-fil-A and get a family meal. Go put the $20 <laughs> on it. that bill. Yeah. That's where the discipline comes in when you when you yeah. don't do the, the, the money-blowing things that you do, like, you know, like you say, spend $20 eating out when you really could just go home and eat. You know? Right, right. The little thing. So it's, it's really, when you think about it, you're like, I could have really did this years ago. It's not that bad Yeah. or that hard. So, but why we just like make to know this, right? Why do you think that it is that we don't do that? Because trust me, you're not the only one. <laughs> you're not the only one who could have been implementing these things years ago. So right. why do you think it is that we don't? Because, like I said, we just want stuff now. We want to have fun now. We want to vacation now. <laughs> we want everything now. Nobody wants to Wait. put in the work. Because right. it's not fun. It's really it's not fun to have to say no to doing stuff. It's not fun mm. to mm. have to be responsible. Nobody wants to be yeah. responsible, really. <laughs> but Delayed gratification <laughs> is hard. Right. But but you got to yeah, delay it. If you it want, is. It's challenging. If you want to have the prosperity in the future, you got to delay the gratification now for a little while. Yeah. Right. This is it. It's short-term pain for long-term gain. Right. So that's why, because nobody want to be responsible. I didn't, but I I wanted what I wanted my future. Yeah. I knew what I wanted my future to look like, and I wanted that more yeah. than I wanted to hang out. So, yeah, that's the thing. You got to want it more. What do you want your future to look like? Well, we got we to gotta take another break. Before we go, I want to make sure, uh, let people know, uh, oh, let's see, uh, also the children's book. You can get right here, the Social Chicago Book Fair, How I Wish, by, oh, and illustrated by LaQuisha Allen. Wonderful Le- illustration. Yes. And author, Lekiantia Naylor. 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 Uh, she wrote, How I Wish to Illustrate Why Biggie that kid is the best. She wants to encourage children to not rush to grow up and enjoy childhood while they still can because, believe it or not, the majority of adults 
want to be kids again. Yes, we want to be children mm-hmm. again. Yes. yes. Sometimes I even pretend that I feel it. So. Absolutely. <laughs> so we want to thank you so much. And, uh, give us your website where people can go to order your book. It's the, the LN Books, T-H-E-L-N Books.com. All right. Fantastic. Okay, Come on down to the Chicago Book Fair. Thank you. All right. All right, Zana, so you can play a couple of commercials, and we're going to head to our last. Great. Excellent. Uh, okay, we're going to have a little break, yes, and then we're going to yes. look at another beautiful children's right. book. Yes, definitely wonderful children's book, and uh, we we always want to encourage parents to buy books for your children, read books to your children, because that encourages them to read and write. Hi, this is John Alexander. And I'm Naima Latif. Meet people like you who are making a positive difference in the world. Big difference. Watch us every day on The Media Connection at www.youtube.com slash The Media Connection TV. YouTube it. We'll see you soon. There are people who choose to make a positive difference in the world. Our job is to bring you their stories to motivate you to do the same. Join us each week, hosts John Alexander and Naima Latif, as we bring you the educators, entertainers, elected officials, religious leaders, and community activists whose works are transforming this world. Find out how you can make a difference, too. Be inspired. Watch the Media Connection. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Tuesdays at 12 noon on Cable TV, Channel 19 in Chicago. and other cities, check your local cable listings. Uh, I can probably, maybe I can grab a chair from over there. All right. Hi, are we back? Yeah, put the chair back in. Oh, okay. Play one more, and then we'll be right back. Okay, I'll right play one more, and then yes. back to our wonderful authors. Yes. Do you worry about finances, family, health, jobs, relationships? Are you in pain? Okay. Do you feel stuck? If you answered yes to any of these questions, help is available. Don't worry, you're not alone. It's part of the human process. You only feel this way because you haven't mastered the voices in your head. No hype, just down-to-earth, solid, workable tools and techniques that you can practice daily. It's really food for the soul, whether you want to learn how not to worry about anything Reverse type 2 diabetes, publish a book, promote your product or service, or just make extra money. To take advantage of the deal of the day, go to zeldaspeaks.com or call 312-409-6619. Mention promo code The Female Solution and get free shipping. That's zeldaspeaks.com or 312-409-6619. Stop worrying today. Visit ZeldaSpeaks.com. All right. We are back. And we're now with okay, welcome Christine back. Ivory. Hello, everyone. Yes. Welcome, welcome to my show. Here, we're live with Donna from London in the UK. Yes. We sure are. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's hear about your book. So you've written this book. Rhymes and riddles okay. with the twenty-six letters. Yeah. So what's that so about? Exactly? Yeah, tell us about the book. Uh, Rhymes and riddles with the twenty-six letters. Well, it's a children's book, and in this book, um, I teach the kids about fruit colors, colors, vegetables, and spices through rhymes and riddles, also to help them maintain a well-balanced diet. 
Also, I have a teacher's guide for this book. And this is a good book for educators, for the teachers that you have on that curriculum, you know, for the kids to learn. And also in this book, I have images of cursive, print, letters. And also in the teacher's guide, it's going a little bit beyond the letters. We go into addition and uh, teach them how to make um, banana pudding, things like that. You know what's interesting, Jana, you know, in in the United States, they they have stopped teaching cursive writing, I believe, in the school. So this book is really critical. Are you serious? Yeah, they they don't church they don't teach cursive anymore because everybody's on computers, so you know you don't really learn cursive. You just learn how to type letters on a computer. So yeah. we were trying to figure out how are how are children gonna learn how to sign their name if they yeah. don't learn cursive. Yes, I want to get back to yeah, that. Yeah, that is very strange. But you see, in Britain, I think they're going more to in the opposite direction. Besides print letters, so I put that in the book also. That's good. Yeah, I think they're going in the opposite direction in Britain, where they um, are saying we don't need yeah, to uh, learn Donna, we're right, um, I can't remember here. even what it's called now, but you, you only need script, um, you only need to be able to write script, and I have a problem with that too, because I suppose because that's not the way I was brought up, the way I was brought up, you learn to um, write first, and then later on you learn to write cursive. Correct. But when you're learning to write, those lessons incorporate a lot, a lot of other um, information, which children need. Correct. So yeah. I so, wanted to put that in the book and get them a little feel of, you know, what is, what is a cursive letter, and, and they'll look at a cursive letter, also look at a, a print letter. And this book really teaches them about the, to maintain a well balanced diet. I I talk mm-hmm. about the fruit, the colors. The vegetables and the spices, soup, rice, and griddle, so they can have fun and learn while they're learning. So, you know, a lot of kids don't like that. If it ain't fun, you know, it, they don't want to learn. But I want them to have fun learning. That's why I put this book, I mean, put this in the book so they have fun learning with the teachers, put it on their curriculum, get it into the school system. Mm-hmm. Now, what ages is this uh, address? Oh, from, it could be from like two years old. Wow. Good. Two years okay. old. Because from, reason why I said two from ten years old, because I have, the cursive letters, and also have the print letters. Also, I have rhymes and riddles, and some of the rhymes and riddles are a little harder. So I went from like two years old to ten years old. Mm. You know, um, a lot of people, John. A lot. I've known a lot of mothers that have taught their children how to read and write before they went to school. And That's sometimes, right, yeah. uh, I mean, it, it's always a benefit, but sometimes the teachers don't know what to do with the child that already knows how to read and write because they're I mean, they got this stuck way that they're teaching, and then you have this child that's beyond that, you know. Right. That was my experience. My mom taught me to read when I was about three. So by the time I got to school, I was basically bored, right? I was bored in school. I hardly learned anything in elementary school at all because, you know, I learned at home. And I think homeschooling is really, really important. Not everybody's in a position to be able to do it. But if you can do so, it, so personally, happened? I would recommend that you do it because, you know, I didn't really learn a lot in school, I'll be honest, not when, not when I was in elementary school. 
So what and happened it, when it's you went to elementary one size fits all type of approach, which doesn't work for anybody, I think. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes uh, it's better. And I always think it's better to teach your child at home anyway. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, a lot of other countries, that's what's expected. Parents are supposed to, as a matter of fact, you know, because my daughter taught in, in South Korea for, she taught kindergarten, and they they were teaching multiple languages. But she was she was learning, she was teaching English, and then the, the, the kindergartners also were learning Chinese. So they were learning language, but at home they were already taught Korean. So they already knew how, when they came, they came to school learning their native language, how to read and write in that already. So when they went to school, they were learning other languages. So I think that's probably what Americans should think of, you know. So with, with this, with yeah, this book, Christine, when, when you learn uh, a language very young, children learn language yeah. so much more quickly than adults do. Yes. So you, you learn, if you're you in a position to be able to learn a language learn at a young um, age, that gives you a great um, advantage. Yes. Well, that's that's the thing that we're having challenges with here, because so many jobs are requesting that people be bilingual, and usually it's only the immigrants that have learned two languages. Americans mm. are not teaching their children at home. So they're not prepared to learn a second language, so they're kind of behind. So a book like this, I mean, and it says this book was written to inspire children to learn the 26 letters through rhymes and riddles and to have fun and enjoy learning. And I think it's important for us to have books in our home that teach children the basics before they get to school. I completely agree. And there's a teacher's guide as well. There's a teacher's guide that comes with this. So... You know, if you're a preschool teacher, you you, you want to get this yeah, book. Get this book. Yes. I mean, you're going to love it. You want to have this on add this to your curriculum, you're going to love it. Yeah. School teachers, principals, you want to get this book. You're going to get your teacher's guide also, you want to get this book. Wines and Brothers with the 26 letters. Yes. Now, is, is, there, is there one of the, the, the rhymes you can read to us? And, and sure. <laughs> I can read one so, Johnny, you want to listen to a rhyme coming out of the book? Definitely. Definitely. Tell us one of the rhymes. Okay, here we go. What fruit am I? I have tropical thin skin. I come in two colors. I have a crisp flesh. I rhyme with the word snapple. And what are my colors? Mm. I think it's an apple. You it's rhyme apple. with snapple. snapple. Also, when that snapple. apple comes off the tree, it comes in two colors. It comes in green and it comes in red. Oh. Those are two colors that apple come in once it comes off the tree. Oh, okay. So that's why, you know, I do a little oh. research and everything. Everything I do, oh, I research, make sure everything will, yeah. you know. Like when yeah, I, I would have never guessed wow. that. So you're going you, you to love this book. You're going to get out. So I have the uh, answer key in the back of the book. Yeah. And that, and, you know, those are things that are really good. Especially I always say that, that city children tend to not know anything about fruits and vegetables because they're so far removed from nature. So they need to be able to identify colors with fruits yeah. and vegetables. And, 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 and Yes, and then also connected with health, which is good because yeah. too many of our children are growing up on fast food, so they don't even That's hardly right. know what a banana or a pear or an apple looks like. Yeah, that's right. That's well, there's a guy, I don't know if you've heard of Jamie Oliver. 
but he's a chef. He's from Britain, um, and he did a lot of campaigning back in the, I don't know, I guess in the noughties, in the 90s or in the noughties. He did a lot of campaigning about school children's meals, right, school meals, because yes. they were so appalling and they had just a tiny, tiny budget. And he's going, well, you know, these these are our children. These are our future. And we should be spending yeah. more money on, um, you know, there's like people, I'm not, I'm not saying that people in prison shouldn't be fed well, because they should, but we're spending more money on people in prison than we are on our children. And that's just crazy. And I think he had influence for a while, but he, he, would do, he did this program <laughs> where he was like, he would take children into a classroom and he would show them a stick of celery and they didn't know what it was. Wow, a stick of say, celery. Yeah, but he would say, well, you know, show me celery. Or he would say, what is this called? And they couldn't tell him. Yeah. Well, the the sad thing is uh, because we don't do field trips like out to farmlands or just basic things like that, they don't even know what it looks like when it grows out of the ground. So That's they really shocking, isn't it? We need to be doing yeah. better than that. We really need to be doing better than that. And then now there's um there's these two doctors who are brothers and they're making T V shows on the BBC and they're talking about um ultra high processed food and how bad it is for us. And then yes. these are things that lead to a lot of you know, we we're seeing a lot of um dietary issues now, like type two diabetes, there's certain um diseases and conditions that are caused by our yeah. poor diet. And it's so important that we learn about that, but I don't know anything about that. I know very little. Yeah. You know, my mom taught me to cook. She taught me well, but it's about availability of the ingredients as well, but it's also about knowing what to do with them. You get me? Yeah, well, you know, you that's, me? that's one of the uh, big issues here is that diabetes has become such a common thing and, yes. Yeah, and it is here as well. And cancer. One in two people are going to have cancer in their lifetime. So the way you, the way you combat that is to change what our children are learning about nutrition and get them yeah. started early. That's right. So that uh, they can. I agree, but what Jamie Oliver was doing as well, because he was mostly working with the, the lunch ladies, I call them dinner ladies in Britain, but the lunch ladies, and teaching them how to cook food that was nutritious and, you know, good for the body, and the children would enjoy it, because all they were doing was taking frozen stuff, heating it up, and feeding it to the children. And the budget was so small that that's all they were able to do. And he was saying to the dinner ladies, you must find this very. Um, very frustrating that you can't actually cook properly, right? So he would he would go into yes. school and he'd teach them how to make nutritious meals on a budget, but still the children were eating rubbish at home. So sometimes he actually had to go to people's houses and say, this is how you cook chicken, like, for example. Yes. Because yes. so they were living uh, on rubbish. And, you know, we have such uh, high-pressured uh, lives. I live in, in a big city and, you know, we're very highly pressured, and that doesn't necessarily yeah. leave a lot of time for cooking, but it's so important. I mean, I hardly ever cook anymore, to be honest, but it's so important. Well, you know, that's one of the things that, that um, we have difficulties with because families aren't spending time together doing those things yeah. like cooking. 
Mm-hmm. So now one thing I was going to ask, Jonna, uh, with this book, 26 Letters, there are a lot of young parents that may not know how to spend time teaching their children at home. That's what I observed when I was, mm-hmm. I was uh, a teaching assistant in a, a, a kindergarten class, in a first grade class. I found a lot of the young parents really didn't know that they were supposed to to, to teach their children certain things at home. And so their children came to school just not knowing things like not knowing their letters, not knowing how to recognize colors. Does the teacher's guide, would it help a parent like that if yes. they yes. if they it, really it, didn't it, know it, how? It, 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 it will help a parent that, like, like you said, well, don't know the colors. It, was, it, it points out the colors. Mm-hmm. Like in the back here, I, I asked, what color am I? And, and I told you it comes in. An apple when it comes off the tree, it comes in two colors. Yes. When it comes when it comes <laughs> out the surprise, you know when, when it comes off the tree now, uh-huh. it comes to us other more colors like you got the golden um yes, you got yellow like one, you got yes. green. Yes. Yeah. So when they come off the um tree, it's only come to two colors, so that's red and green. Mm-hmm. And I also I talk about the banana. The banana is yellow. Yeah. Also talk about the carrot. The carrot is orange. Right. Also talk about the date. The date is a golden brown and black. Ah. You know? yes. Also talk about the egg. Eggs, uh, white, white, brown, brown and, yellow. and yellow. You know, mm. I talked about that. I also, I got all this in there. Yeah. This is a book that you really need to get. If you've got a child that is uh, yeah. preschool, going to kindergarten, whatever the case may be, you need to get this because this needs to be yeah. a book that's in your home yeah. so that yes. your child can have these skills before they get to school. Yeah. That's really what's needed. Parents, so, teachers, yes. you want to get this book, you want to love it. Absolutely. You love it. I love so this confidence. I really love this confidence. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. You've already decided that people are gonna love it. I think it's wonderful. Seven zero at gmail.com. That's Ivory Book seven zero at gmail.com. And also, you can reach me, contact me at Eric code six six two seven six four zero three six seven. That number is Eric code six six two seven six four zero three six seven. All right. That's your number. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. And that was author Christine Ivory. And, of course, her book is Riddles. Oh, no. Rhymes and Riddles with the 26 letters. Yeah. Thank you. Well, can All I right. ask a question? Fantastic. Are you going to rush off or can I ask you a question? Uh, well, what, yeah, one more question. We're, we're getting ready to get some some weather challenges here, but you got time for one more uh, question. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> I'll try and be brief. So what do you do? How can you help people who are in that situation who don't know what to do, don't know how to support their children? How can you help yeah, them? Advice. Yeah. What, what advice would I give to people that don't know how to um help their, their yeah, children? Don't know how to help their children. Okay, so this is what you can do. You know we go to the store and we get the little fruit snacks. That would be good right. for them also. And we go get the little, the applesauce, the strawberry okay. kind is good, the regular kind is good. So they got a little treats that kids like that, that they will be, you know, fruits that you can point out to them that they love. A lot of kids, you'll be surprised. Some of them, they will eat um, sweet peas because they are, you know, account a little yeah. sweet a little bit. They'll eat that. But you just have to go to the store and just, you know, Get it for them. And also, you can mix them sweet peas, vegetables, mix them with rice, brown rice, mix them with um, chicken, like a little side okay. dish, and just mix it up. And the kids, they'll eat it. Yes. 
But what if a lot of people just don't have any idea about how to support their children with this? What would you tell them? You know, take them with you shopping. So yeah, take them with you. you like take them shopping with you. Let them point out things. Okay, and they, that's and they, a good know, suggestion. Fruit they have the fruit snacks and vegetables also. Yes, there you go. Okay, you know, that's a good suggestion. Yes, we're about to sign off now, uh, Donna. And well, it's been delightful. It's been a delightful show. And, you know, yeah, I love yeah, it when we have guests that are so engaging. I love it. Anyway, get some of these books. It's definitely great. <laughs> and thanks to all the authors who work with us. And you need to buy these books and have them in your library at home. So thank yeah, you definitely. all. All right. <laughs> thanks so much, Donna. Yes, this is this has been really a great show, and I'm so grateful for all the authors. I'll be back to buy a book as well. Thank you. I got Yes, all righty. Yes, thank you, know, you to all of my delightful guests. I've yes. definitely learned stuff, and I'll be in touch. And thank yes, you for really thank you particularly to Lekka Yantia. Thank you very much with those um, financial tips, and thank you to um, to Christine Ivory for this yes. you know, this book, which is going to help children. You know, everybody who has this book in their home, if they have small children, it's going to help them. Yes, they should. Yes, they definitely, they definitely, and I really encourage parents to come out to the Soulful Chicago Book Fair and shop for books for your children because you should have, you should have books on your bookshelf. You should have books. You should have uh, entertainment that they, that encourages their, their intellect. That's I think right. we get too uh, focused on TV all the time, and as a result, our children don't develop the reading skills that they need and don't develop the language skills that come from reading. So thank you yeah. so much. And we're going to make a mad dash through this, this rain for a second. Ah! Okay. Yeah, yeah, John, it's, it's kind of raining a little bit. experiencing some weather over there in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, so um, but I, I, I wanted to make sure we got through the interviews and everything. Yeah. And got our our viewing audience a chance to know that it's still going on, the Soulful Chicago Book Fair. As you can see, we've got some great, uh, resilient authors here doing some and wonderful work. And a little work. bit of rain is not going to hurt you. A little bit of rain is not going to hurt. I, I hear a little bit of thunder, but that's okay, too. <laughs> and, uh, Thank you so much, to... Naima. It's Woo. been a delightful afternoon. Yes, it, it has. And, and, of course, oh, can I, just I definitely mean, want to... Just remind everybody as well, we're holding the Blogging Carnival for Nonviolence. So check us yeah, out on Facebook while, while at the Blogging uh, Carnival here. for Nonviolence. Yeah, how do people get, in, how do people, uh, get involved in the, non-vi- the, the Nonviolence Carnival for, what how, was it again, the... Carnival, Blogging, Blogging Carnival. Carnival, this is our 10th anniversary, the Blogging Carnival for Nonviolence. The best way to contact yeah, us Carnival in the first Carnival. instance is by our Facebook. So if you go to our Facebook page, it's called the Blogging Carnival for Nonviolence. And please okay, get in touch and please Carnival submit your blog post about empathy, about your experience of empathy, either receiving it or giving it or both. Yes. So... Now, Jana, is there a website they can go to? Well, there is, but like I said, in the first instance, the Facebook page is the best way to reach us. And okay, go to Facebook. Website on go the to Facebook the Blogging page. Carnival for Nonviolence. 
That's it. That's it. And there, there are links on the Facebook page. There are links to the website as well. All right. Fantastic. We will do that. And, of course, we invite you all to be back here with us for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. And I believe if you're in the U.K., it's like, uh, you know, 2 in the morning, but that's okay. <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're a late-night person, get on up and, and listen. <laughs> if not, go to the archives. <laughs> but we thank you so much, Donna. It's, it's been wonderful. Thank you for bringing our our authors uh, to the the listeners there in London and all around the world. We appreciate you so much. We'll have to figure out how to get you here next year for the next Soulful Chicago Book Fair with your book. You wanna Oh, I'm ready. I am ready to get on the plane. All right. Especially once we'll my new book happen. comes out. We'll talk, yeah? <laughs> we'll talk. Yes, definitely. And of course we gotta we gotta figure out a trip to, to London, the, the next big event or festival or something, get a bunch of us get on the plane and get on over there. That'll be that'll be big fun. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I'm holding you to that. You know that, right? Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah, you heard it right here, folks. I, I said we we're going to London. <laughs> That's it. And absolutely. we'll speak soon, Naima. Thank you. Take care now. All the best. All righty, and we will see you all next time on the Female Solution. We've come to the end of our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash thefemalesolution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows. Listen to our radio shows. Order our books. And be sure to get your copy of the book, the female solution on behalf of our team of radio hosts i'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion and to our global family listening from all around the world we say thank you to our family in china Sheshe, india zanyaba japan arigato korea kamsamida Russia, Spasiba. Germany, Danke. Poland, John Cunion. France, Merci. Spain, Gracias. Italy, Grazie. Egypt, Shukran. Ghana, Medasi. Nigeria, Eshe. South Africa, Ngiabonga. Senegal, Jaret. Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakur, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you, and may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessings.